Welcome in to Ryan and the Rylecats on RyanandtheRylecat.com. Here are your hosts, Ryan Meisinger and Matthew Ryle. If there was ever a time that I thought Tom Coughlin was cold, freaking blooded, it was today. The man has his final press conference and saying he's going to resign from the New York Giants coaching position. Did, did you see this, Matt? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. I was watching the press conference. It was, it was he, funny. He gives a cold-blooded speech, makes Eli Manning cry, walks off the stage past Giants owner, John Meyer. He stands up, the owner. And Tom Coughlin's path to get back to his seat goes right through Giants owner. Giants owner stands up. Tom Coughlin walks down the stairs, looks at him, right past him, sits down in his seat. So tough from the what, 72-year-old man? Yeah, this this guy is known for his hardcore, like, tough attitude. And this was just another demonstration of it. I mean, it was typical Tom Coughlin. It was basically like, all right, like, I may have resigned, but you guys know I didn't resign. I was kind of forced to resign. I mean, everybody knew that anyway, but it's like, I won you two Super Bowls. You're going to give me the players that you gave me to work with on the field, which was basically crap, especially defensively, and then you're going to blame me for what happened? Unreal. Unreal. Okay? What I I don't really understand is, I I don't know, was there... Did they have a bad relationship? I, I never thought they did. I always thought uh, Coughlin and Giants ownership had a good relationship. Yeah, I, I honestly, I thought they were the model of consistency when it came to the coaching and, and relationship they, they, they with are, their owners. And, and Coughlin doesn't seem like he was never the guy to make any sort of controversy. And like you, you hear the reports coming out, and it said, uh, "Hey, you know, like Mara asked him if he wanted to stay on before." You know, I mean, Coughlin actually had said he told he, uh, Mara he would resign before Mara even asked him if he wanted to stay on as head coach. So, like, that made me kind of think, like, okay, like, maybe he wouldn't have been fired if he didn't resign, like, hearing hearing those things. You know, and Mara asked him to stay on, you know, to help with the team, just not as the head coach. So, like, you look at those things, and I didn't think Mara handled this poorly and, like, that he should have gotten the cold shoulder from uh Coughlin, but this is this no, is a team right. that that hasn't gone to the playoffs in like three to four years and has been terrible. So like, I, I mean, I I love Coughlin. I think he's a great coach. Even being a Cowboys fan, you know, he's been the best coach in the division. Uh, the, and the, the, well, listen, there's the no big, doubt about that. The big I think loser from this situation has to be the New York Giants because the problem is. Uh, who do you bring in to coach? They were, <laughs> there were some reports that they were going to bring in Chip Kelly. Let me tell you something. Chip Kelly in, in New York? Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, see, what I heard is they were going uh, to bring up their OC. Potentially, which yeah. Which is, what's his name? Ben McAdoo. He's McAdoo. The, that was, he, that's what I heard. He used to be the offensive coordinator for the I, Packers. I always think an internal hire makes more sense. I mean, yeah, but you have to understand, hiring hiring a coordinator is, you know, people don't understand this, but hiring a coordinator is a very, you know, it could work out, but it's also a very bold move. You know, a lot of teams make it because you want a head, yeah, but you want a head coach who has a track record of winning. And I know it's hard to find those head coaches. The hottest commodities out there, you look at the Patriots, everyone wants Josh McDaniels. You look at the Panthers, everyone wants their defensive coordinator. You look at the Cardinals last year, Jets were after Todd Bowles. And that's true. But I'm telling you, more more than not, it doesn't work out. 
I mean, you very, very few times do you find a gem in a rough. You you want a guy who has had the head coaching experience and who has, you know, proven himself. A guy like, you know, if he doesn't stay with the Saints, a guy like Sean Payton would be a great hire. In teams, if Tom Coughlin wants to continue coaching, he would be a great hire. These are guys with proven track records of being a good coach and they can those are the best tires out there for me. A lot of teams are looking at Adam Gass, the offensive coordinator for the Bears. You're, lo- you're looking at a lot of coordinators and I just think if you can find a guy like a Coughlin or a Payton and they're available, you got and they're the best they're the best ones. Let me ask you a question. I know that in our rundown we planned on getting into this later, but I think it fits more now and we can shift some things around. Yeah. Your thoughts on coaches in the NFL? Oh, that's going to be my riled up segment. I know, I know, but if I think it fits here. <laughs> All right, how about this? I, I feel like you're already cooking a little bit. How about this? You're, you're in a low heat. I want to. How about this? Heat. An early riled up. Yeah, no, that's what I'm talking. All right, about. so no more riled up soon. We're riled up right now. It's coming at you real hot. It's right now, it's real hot. Right now. All right, riled up starting right now. My my thing with the head coaches and the firing the head coaches is that I think it's a lot of blasphemy. Okay, I'm using a big word, uh, sound like Stephen A. There, but it is crazy a lot of the times. I mean, look at look at Jim Tom Sula. They gave him crap to work work with there. Their defense wasn't good. They lost basically 99% of their talented players. Colin Kaepernick wasn't performing. He had to make a move to Blaine Gabbert because that was the only way for them to get any wins. He lost his best running back. He loses multiple running backs. They don't have good receivers, and he still managed five wins, which, to be honest with you, I thought was remarkable given the talent on the team. And Jed York is going to fire him after one year and say, oh, you know, you know, we didn't see the team improving. Well, they weren't good. You didn't give them any talent. Hey, granted, that's not always Jed York's fault because a lot of them did retire, unfortunately. But he, he didn't have, he was, he had probably one of the most, if not the most talent depleted roster in the NFL. And, and Tom Coughlin, you're going to fire him. I understand he's getting up there in age. I understand he hasn't, you know, he's, they've lost four, four straight years. But this is a guy who's won two Super Bowls, and he has a defense that's probably worse than any other defense in the league for about three straight years now. They've been awful. You know, they've had a lot of injuries. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a running game. Literally, their only thing that they have is a passing game. That's it. You can't be a... When I mean one-dimensional, I don't mean one-dimensional as in a good offense and a bad defense. I mean they're one-dimensional as in there's only one part of their team that's strong. You're not going to be able to win that way. Because they're going to hold on to Jerry Reese, who has given this guy crap to work with, but you're you're going to fire Tom Coughlin? Ridiculous to me. It's if, ridiculous. If, if, I can, if I can jump in and, and take the more backseat and streamline approach to this and play devil's advocate, I'll, I'll say that in every bad situation, someone has to be the scapegoat. Yeah. And it's not going to be the owner, and usually it's not going to be the GM unless they're doing a clean house. It, it, but it shouldn't be so the when, two-time when Super Bowl when, winning but, head coach. What, understandable, but that's in his past. When you have a team in the Giants, in the San Francisco 49ers, we'll talk about the Giants just because they're the Giants and we both know them. When, when you're talking about Tom Coughlin, a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in uh, you know X many years, and they look like they're in the decline besides – Eli Manning, besides the Sloan sort of bright spot in Odell Beckham Jr., 
what else are you going to do? What else could the New York Giants I, have done this um, offseason? You know, to be honest with you, I I more understand the Giants move than I do the 49ers. For one reason is Tom Coughlin's lost four straight years, whereas Tom Sula lost one year, and he didn't have half as good of players as Coughlin had. Um, right. And I know people don't have high regards for Tom Sula. You know, when they hired him, it was uh, people were like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Um and so I understand that's another reason. It's kind of like to dig yourself out of a hole that you, you know, to get yourself out of a hole that you dug yourself. But regardless, like, if you're going to hire a guy, give him a chance. Give him some talent. See what he can do with it. You know, don't just give him bad players and then expect him to win 80. See, it's tough, you know? though, because the thing is, we think of the NFL as like, okay, you know, you want to give this guy a chance. You want this to happen. The the reality is a guy like Jim Tomsula, San Francisco 49ers, I mean, the the clock can only tick for so long. And It and didn't Sula, tick for long at no, all. No, but no, it did. It did because he had a year. He couldn't get what – Whatever goals, I'm sure the owner didn't didn't set these you know exuberant goals that Tom Sula had to get. I'm sure whatever goals Tom Sula had to get were well within reach, and he couldn't get them. I so it's honestly hit the reset button. Call he that a got bad decision five wins. He got five wins in 16 games. I don't know what goals Jed York gave him, but whatever they were, they were clearly out of there. If this is not out of this world, if if you're gonna say that he didn't achieve his goals with the team he had, look, I, I mean, saying, look no, at it. Jim Harbaugh couldn't have done it behind the scenes. Jim Harbaugh couldn't have done it. What did you say before that? I said, I, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't. I do not. And, but and, my point is... Bottom line is money is consistently the number one priority. Yeah, I understand that. And this team wasn't doing well, but firing your head coach after one year after giving him a depleted roster is not going to solve the problem. Getting players, bringing new players in, bringing better players in, and giving this guy a chance to show you what he can do and use his skill set, um, that... Is how you create a good franchise. No, you're right. Consistency. This is not, this is not how you build a franchise. Consistency you, you right. is how you build no, a franchise. Right. But the problem is with some teams, uh, they don't know how to build it. There are just some owners and GMs who just have different priorities. Mike McCarthy, Packers win a Super Bowl. Sean Payton's been there for a while. They win. Obviously, the Patriots. You know, uh, Peyton Manning. Yes. Peyton Manning had Dungy the, all those years. You have you're the right. Giants had Coughlin. You have. I mean, Landry but, for the but, Cowboys but, when he won a few. You had but do you, consistency. Do you so, sort of, but yeah, understandable. But do you sort of notice one thing in common with all those coaches you just named? What? They all had Super Bowl, Pro Bowl caliber quarterbacks. Yeah, and that's and when true. you have a guy in Colin Ka- Ka- Kaepernick, that's your that's your guy. Yeah, it's tough. And, and but that's my and that's my point. It has to do with the players. And I think a lot of the times a lot of the blame is put on the head coaches and I understand and it, it is going to be it's going to be for the rest it's of time. So for the rest hard. Of time. It's so hard to find a quarterback like that, man. It's so hard to find a quarterback in general that's that strong. You know, it takes but a this, lot of This is what you comes know? with when you sign on the dotted line as the NFL head coach, this is what comes with it. And that's why people are saying the head coaching job for the Giants is the most appealing because they have one of those quarterbacks. So a coach can really do some stuff there. A quarterback who, by the way, had his best professional season this season. Yeah. Can you believe that? I, 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 it was incredible. I and they still, they still didn't perform well. It's just 
baffling to me. I, I, what you know, going back to Tom Brady because he didn't have that good of a team this year either. What he can do compared to what the rest of the quarterbacks can do in this league with a depleted roster. That's why. Well, I just well, wanted to we, throw that out there. No, and and if we want to uh, stay on that topic of front office, Tomlin, NFL, by the way, another one. Mike Tomlin, yeah. as in as in building a franchise. Oh well, you know, quarterback play and consistency and all that stuff. Well, uh, okay, another situation where a quarterback gets tied in, yeah. with their with their head coach, yeah. And Mike Tomlin was lucky enough to be with Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. If uh, Jim Tomsula maybe had Alex Smith, more consistent quarterback over in San Francisco. I don't know how different this story would have been because Alex Smith's not a great quarterback; he's a game manager. So I don't know if that's a different story. Bottom line is. Quarterback, head coach, often, often get paired together. I agree with you. Uh, move, Rex, Rex Ryan, Mark Sanchez. I, I, I agree. I agree. Enough about that. It, I, it was really, it was something that honestly, like, you know, Chip Kelly, I understand. The guy wanted all the problems. The, I mean, the guy wanted all the power, excuse me. He wanted all the power, and then what he did with the power was not good at all, and he tried to revolutionize a game that you can't really revolutionize that much. So, um, I understand his firing. I understand the Philbin and the Wizenhunt firings earlier in the year. It's just a lot of times there are some questionable decisions when I think that you need to, in my mind, you need to see what a coach can do when he has some talent around him. And if he still doesn't perform, that's when he deserves to be fired. All right, moving on. Another ridiculous story, I thought. Paul DePodesta, the Mets vice president of scouting and, and player development, He's not the Mets vice president of scouting and player development anymore. He was hired by the Browns today. The Browns. This is a a football team, if you didn't know. The Cleveland Browns. They've been the model of terribleness the last you know decade. Um, he was hired as the, as their top executive and, and given a lot of power. How do you give a guy who doesn't really know the game of football that well that much power over your team? See, I. <laughs> I, I put this uh, – his official title is Chief Strategy yeah, yeah. Officer. Um, I put this in the Cleveland Browns. I'm not defending this, and I have no idea what the Cleveland Browns are thinking. But you have to, in the good in you, think that if the Cleveland Browns are going to make as a radical decision as this is, they have to know something we don't, right? They have to. Well, they have to know that this guy they say he's, can handle money more better than anyone else. He can find players better. Like, yeah, they there sh- has to be some key that we don't There see. have been some rumors out there that he is one of the best, most innovative minds in sports. He was named exactly. the top ten list. But still, that that's in his respective sport. So I think it's a very bold decision to say that he can that can translate to a sport like football. Well, I just thought that was the, a little weird. It is weird because I think – when you have murky titles like that, it gets misconstrued. I remember when the Jets hired John Idzik uh, two or three years back. They hired him, and his main appeal was that he was a salary cap wizard. Really? Did that end up doing anything for the team? No. It's not. It's not tangible. I don't. I don't like when guys get hired for their like extreme intangibles, and I know that's a lot of front office personnel. It all comes with the intangibles, but there's nothing that says to me that this is a great move. Like I said, unless it's something that we don't see, I it's just I shake my head. And it's just consistency from this franchise to make moves that make us scratch our head. Moving on, another thing I'd like to talk about. 
just Johnny Menzel in general staying on the Cleveland Browns. A couple things here with him. According to Deadspin.com, he was seen partying with a wig and a mustache in Vegas this weekend. Don't know how much truth that there is to that, but that is hilarious, to be honest with you. That is hilarious if it is true. <laughs> I mean, Let, I laugh. We, I laugh. I'm literally laughing. Do like, anything more or less out of this guy? No, no, we don't. We do not. But re- regardless, that is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that is still ridiculous in all senses of the and, word and, ridiculous. And, and getting getting serious for a second for for you to do something like this it, i've i stayed away from saying this but you have to think that this guy has a serious problem oh yeah but, a but serious then, problem let's, let's just gambling but let's also just go with the the thing that this could be not true you ever think about that? This could not be true. Because I haven't heard of this on any other social media. I just if it is true, I just thought it was funny. No, no. I, you know? And I, I don't even mean I don't even mean the the wig and the mustache. I mean him being in Las Vegas. Oh yeah. But I mean, it is a serious problem and it's something he has to obviously like work really hard at. And I'm not going to say that like he can do it because they've tried and he's tried and it hasn't been working. This is, this is all you need to know. I don't Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And this is, this is from a website article right here. According to ESPN, Las Vegas, Johnny Manziel missed a mandatory medical check-in with the Cleveland Browns on Sunday morning for the simple reason that he was over 2000 miles away in Las Vegas the night before. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. You're an NFL player. You got to act like it. Yeah, that, that is ridiculous. I completely agree with you. And uh, uh, one of my biggest problems, I guess, is with he just he he just doesn't get it. Like he's trying, but he just doesn't get it, that it's a privilege to play in the league. It, it's not. This is not some sort of like other job. You're in the spotlight. You're you're a model for a lot of people out there, a lot of young children, and you have to hold yourself accountable for your actions and you have to start living your life like a an adult, not like a little college frat boy. Um at some point, yeah, you have to that, you have to but he just hasn't And I don't, I don't know. know if it has to do with the Browns organizations as well, but I don't know how many organizations are going to be willing to take him on, which moves on to my other topic here, the last one I'm going to talk yeah, about real I'll quick. I'll tell you one team that'll take him. I think you're going to Yeah, have, I am. Well, another, another moving on, I guess, staying on Manziel and also RG3, another guy who's had some issues as well. Apparently, both of them, there have been reports, you know, solid reports that both of them would like to play for the Cowboys. I'm a Cowboys fan, and to be honest with you, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't want either of them. Um, Because, I I mean, why do they want to? Because you do they not realize that we have a quarterback in place for the next four years? It's it's things that I I don't think matter to them. It should matter to them. I don't think Johnny Manziel thinks he's going to be the starting quarterback, or maybe he does. And maybe he thinks that Tony Romo is the most – undurable person and the most breakable person in the NFL. Maybe that's something that John Menzel thinks about. But RG3 is nothing there. He's also the most fragile quarterback in the NFL. RG3 baffles me. Johnny Menzel doesn't surprise me one damn bit. It's it's all of this is just in 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 I mean, it's just if you're the Cowboys, how do you take them on? If you were to take both of them on, you know what would happen? 
You don't say there. There is. I'll tell you. There is no scenario in all of eternity that the Cowboys bring both Johnny Menzel and Robert Griffin the third with the current Tony Romo there. No situation. It will never happen. I think one of them wouldn't surprise me. One of them. One of them would not surprise me. Uh, if one of them went, that would not. Well, you'd me. have to. You don't need both of them. You're probably going to draft a quarterback this year. How many quarterbacks do you have one on your team? You could you could argue it's. I mean, the the guidelines usually three or four. No, uh, no, you know you're right. You're right. But you don't want one on the practice squad here. I, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I get what you're saying. But, Cowboys I mean, were on listen, their fourth the, string the quarterbacks this the year. Big story is the salary. Oh These yeah, these guys are getting paid a lot more than a, a second or third string quarterback should. Yeah, and you know what? They're going to lose that salary uh, pretty soon. That's all I'm going to say. Final point here before we go to a break. Rafa Benitez, Rafael Benitez, excuse me, that's his full name. He has been sacked by Real Madrid after just nine months and replaced by Zinedine Zidane. Now, you may have remembered this guy. He's the famous French player who headbutted an Italian player in the world. Cup Finals in 2002, was it? Uh, 2002, 2006? Um, boy, I don't know. I kind of feel like it was... Yeah, I kind of feel like it was 2006. Hey, one of those years, he got injected in that game. That game ended up going into penalty kicks with an Italy win. But a uh, very famous player, and he's replacing Rafa Benitez. He has no, no sort of coaching experience or managerial experience. I'll... A lot have has been said about this move, Ryan. What do you what do you make of it? I mean, I know Real Madrid has has not been playing well of lately against notable opponents. They have they really only beat one team, and that was Paris Saint Germain, and that's because they played them twice and ended up losing to them once and winning against them the other time. They've lost to they lost badly to Barcelona. They lost to Atletico. They lost to Villarreal. They lost to they have not been playing up to their potential. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. This is a move that is much more welcomed uh, domestically here in the United States. You saw Jason Kidd retire, become the coach of the New Jersey Nets or Brooklyn Nets. You saw in MLS, you saw Mike Petke retire, sit on the sideline for a year or two, coach the New York Red Bulls. You saw Ben Olsen retire for a couple of years, sit on the sideline, coach DC United. Granted, Zinedine Zidane did sit on the sideline and he has coached. He does have coaching experience with Real Madrid's B team and assistant coaching with Real Madrid. That being said... Uh, European coaching in Europe is much, much different. Yeah. I, I think right. a guy that's well more suited to coach is Thierry Henry. What is Thierry Henry? <laughs> that's because right you're a Red, Red Bull. Fan. No, no, no. That's because I think Thierry Henry is a much more calm, collected, cool player, smart player than uh, Zidane. Uh, that being said, Thierry Henry is being a television pundit right now. In a couple of years, I'm sure he'll get on Arsenal's coaching staff, maybe the youth team, and work his way up. I mean, you also uh, have. And I think that's the way to do it with Real Madrid. You get. Sedan, you have him coach U twenty, you know U seventeen, U eighteen, U twenty, and then you have him as as maybe a Real Madrid assistant, and then when he's fifty, when he's you know forty five, whatever, then he can coach Real Madrid, and, and That's still true. there's no guarantee well, for results. I mean, remember, I think this is an awful move. Also, remember uh, Jose Mourinho is out as the Chelsea manager, so they're going to be looking for a new one, and Pep um, and Pep, Pep, Pep yeah. yeah. He he's looking to coach in the Premier League next year, so I think this year could be his last at Bayern. That's I'm just throwing that out there. All right, that's it for us in this block. We'll be right back soon on Ryan and the Rowcat. Coming up, we have a little thing called Rapid Fire. There's been a lot going on in 
across the sports world over the last few weeks, and we're gonna, we're gonna get you up to date on all of that. So stay with us here on Ryan and the Rylecat. idea with rapid fire uh is that there's a ton of stuff that we haven't been able to cover because of holiday because of new year's because of uh being on a cruise ship that's a humble brag right yeah there. So, sorry about that we've been we've been a little busy uh but we're, we're back for you guys so because of all that uh we are gonna go rapid fire with a couple topics right here what is it six of them to be exact six six, six to, be exact. to be exact ranging from nhl to nba to uh, New Year's Eve to all this stuff, college football. So, without further ado, Matty Ryle, kick us off. The the one caveat to this, we each have 30 seconds yep. to answer so, this question. And if we're not done by the end of 30 seconds, an alarm's going to go off and uh, the other person will cut us off. Yeah, so uh, it's going to start once the other person starts talking and the question is finished reading, uh, being read. So, first question here. I'll explain it a little more so when I ask the question, don't start right away, Ryan. Is Steph Curry hurting the game of basketball? I heard one of my friends actually tell me that they heard a prominent figure in, um, I guess, the sports media world, whether it was an ex-player or an analyst, say that he was hurting the game of basketball because he's just throwing up all these shots and it makes a lot of the young kids literally just want to go around shooting threes and showing up, throwing up threes, and that could potentially hurt the game of basketball. So what's your thought on this? Is he hurting the game of basketball? Steph Curry is most definitely hurting the game of basketball, and I'll say this in in the quickest amount of time that I can. Uh, It's it's too double-edged sword because Steph Curry is, is certainly improving the game of basketball. The attendance he's getting guys at Barkley Center there are hours before which the Nets couldn't do. However, kids think that they can go into the gym, start shooting from 35 feet out, which they can't do. They think they can start shooting these fadeaway jumpers, these just hang around the three-point line, launch bombs, and that's not the way basketball can be played, and he's ruining the integrity of the NBA game. Wow, that is a, a hot take of the century. I didn't expect that. No, he's not. He's not. He's good at a particular skill set, and that's shooting threes. Ray Allen's good at shooting threes, too. He didn't hurt the game, okay? Miller didn't hurt the game. Jordan was great at everything, and he didn't hurt the game. I mean, he has a very particular skill set that he's very good at. It doesn't mean he's hurting the game. Now, should kids just go around shooting threes? No, but I don't think Steph Curry's hurting the game. He's just very good at one thing, and it really is actually fun to watch. All right. Oh, hey, that, was, that, that was a good one. Quick. I disagree with your answer, but you got that off quick, and I respect that. Yeah, 30 seconds. I, I was timing myself. All right, so here we go. And the thing is, I could discuss that, and I know you and I both could discuss that and go on, but the idea is we got our 30 seconds. That's it. If, yeah, if that's you want to hear us talk about it more, reach out to us on Twitter. Let us and know. We'll, we can make a topic of it. Um, but as of now, moving on to the next question, Matt, let me ask you, what is the deal with teams signing trading for players with all these domestic violence and horrible background, uh, and these ongoing cases or potential cases that will happen in the future allegations? I mean, what's the deal with it is that it's for me, it's all bad. You shouldn't be signing these players. And the, the, the hard part is that 
It's my teams that they're doing it. The Cowboys with Hardy, the Yankees with Araldis Chapman trading for him. But if he has a domestic violence background or is he in the middle of being investigated for it, say no. Say no. That's it. I don't care if he helps your team. I don't care if he's the most talented player in the world. Say no until you know what's going on. I will say, and by the way, you hit 25 seconds again, so you're pretty on par. I think I'm going to use the entire 30 seconds, but I'm not sure. All right, so here we go. <laughs> I, I think that uh, it's, again, double-edged sword. I, I think it's wrong, yes, uh, for teams to be looking after them. That being said, I think there's a certain team to do it and a certain team to not do it. The old New York Jets would certainly do it. The new New York Jets, I don't think would do it. Are the Dallas Cowboys a team that I think will go after these players and simply care about talent? Yes. Would the New York Giants ever do this? No, and that's okay. And I think it's okay for the Cowboys. I mean, this is all about money. It's all about the business. It's all about getting you the most talented roster you can. I think teams do it. Teams don't do it. That's okay. A little over there, a little over there, but I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Next question here, a little bit of soccer, European soccer. We're talking about who will win the Premier League? Arsenal's on top right now, followed by Leicester City and then Man City. Who's going to win? I think this is a tough question because, you okay, first of all, you look at Leicester City. Leicester City, I love what they're doing right now. 20 games in, 40 points, only two behind Arsenal, one ahead of Manchester City. You see this every year. One team from the bottom does some sort of run, and they stay on top for a while. Okay, then come on. They're not going to finish in the top four, in my opinion. Uh, Arsenal is going to finish second. I think Man City is going to win. Uh, that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal won. Mezzi Ozil has been one of the one of the best, if not the best, midfielders in the world. But Man City has the team and the uh, offensive prowess to do it. Who you're you're a little you a little bit long on some of what these. Are you, but what I'll are you talking about? I'm just kidding. I'll give it to you. Um, honestly, I think it's going to be a two team race between City and Arsenal. I think Man United is just not talented enough, especially defensively. They don't have a a consistent score either. Um, I think Leicester City will fall back, although they've been playing really well. Honestly, I'm going to go with Arsenal. I think they're playing better than anybody right now, despite some injuries. Mesut Ozil's playing out of his mind. Alexis Sanchez is an incredible player, and they're just, they are playing more as a team than anybody else right now, and they've really come together and have a lot of chemistry. I cannot disagree. They have been beautiful to watch. Yeah, they have. All right, so you're up. <laughs> this one, it is a favorite of mine, personal favorite. I love it. I love you it. You have too. Peyton Manning versus Brock Osweiler. Go. All right, so who should they start in the playoffs? I'm going to go with Mr. Peyton Manning. Hear me out. Brock Osweiler didn't have a terrible game. The turnovers weren't his fault. But Peyton's Manning has been in the playoffs before. His injuries behind him. He looked solid, at least solid, on the field. Uh, and he led them to a comeback victory. He was 5 for 9. Not e extraordinary numbers. But he gives them the best chance to win the Super Bowl. He's the smartest person. And he's the best game manager they have. Mm, got a little close there. But now you still good. You still good. All right. Uh, what I'll say about this is I think this is a very interesting debate. However, I do side um, with Peyton Manning. I think if you give Peyton Manning the okay with, with two weeks to go, I think you let him know that he's going to be the starter. Let him get don't, – but don't tell the media. Let him get first team reps in. Let him get back in with that first team. This is a guy who's been in the playoffs before. Bottom line is what AFC team can dethrone the New England Patriots? Listen, if there's one guy who can beat Tom Brady and the Patriots, it's got to be Peyton Manning. Yeah. So, completely agree with you there. Um, 
I mean, I'm hoping for another Peyton Brady matchup. So the next question is college football playoffs, another year of them, but a huge plummet from last year's ratings. Overnight ratings this year on the from the New Year's Eve games were down from 15.5 for the first game to 9.7 yeah. this year, and then 15.3 in the later game to 9.7. Nine. That is a 34% viewer viewership dropped. What's going on? Why was there a drop, Ryan? I'll tell you one thing. This is very interesting to me, and I love business talk, and I love ratings. The stupid thing here is that the committee came to the college football playoff, you know, whatever deal that they have, who decides what day this should be on, and they said, okay, this can be on New Year's Eve, or we can move it to Saturday. We can move it to Saturday and have these games on Saturday. Why not put it on Saturday? Saturday day when everyone's going to be on the couch. New Year's Eve, no one's no one's home. No one's watching TV. What are you doing? I, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. It, the first year, they didn't have it on New Year's Eve. This year, they did, and look what happens. Let, let me tell you something. New Year's Eve, everybody's busy. They're out partying. And that's, that's fine, you know, enjoy it. But don't put games on that day that you want to be watched because people are going to be busy. Put it on the Saturday after, I agree with you. Also, another reason this could have been, they just weren't good games. <laughs> Did you see it? They weren't good games at all, Ryan. They were not good games. Problem here is that this contract's for the next 12 years. So that's true, they but to, they don't they have, have to, to be on New Year's out. Eve. No, they you're said right, you're as right. of they as of not. right now, they do not plan on rescheduling it for next year to avoid New Year's Eve. They should though. They should very, very much consider it. Last one here, Ryan. <laughs> you don't know much about the NHL, but I gotta pose this question to you. Who is the best team in the NHL right now? Stars and caps lead the league in points with sixty and fifty nine, respectively. Who who's the best out of out of all the teams? Uh, I got 30 seconds, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll do this as fast as I can. I don't care. You're up. That was, that was, that was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I'll take, I'll take some of yours. I'm going to have to go with the Stars, Ryan. This team is – I actually went to see their them against the Devils the other day despite a Devils win. Very impressed with this team. Their offense is out of this world. I mean, you look at their front, first line, Jamie, Ben, Tyler Sagan, and Patrick Sharp – that is monstrous. There is not a better top line in the league. Not to mention you have Spezza on another line there. This team is loaded with offensive talent and goal scorers. They have not just one solid goalie, but two very solid, solid goalies, so you don't lose anything when you have your backup play. This team is an all-around superstar team, and they are a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. I'll, I'll agree with you. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking uh, my side for once. I appreciate your knowledge. <laughs> you, you bring knowledge to the conversation. I very much enjoy that. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we're about to drop some more knowledge, Ryan. Please. We're going to drop some more knowledge on the NFL. We've talked about it a lot today, the coaching carousel, regular season ending, so there really is a lot, of, lot to talk about. But the big thing is the NHL – and I mean, excuse me – the NFL playoffs, the playoff schedule are set. The, the divisional round, the wild card, the, the buys are everything is set. Let me go through the matchups with you. I want to give you, I want you to tell me the most this is not rapid fire anymore, everybody, all right? We are done with rapid fire. We have as many seconds as we want, okay? 
I, I still don't think I'm going to need a lot of seconds, but yeah, I understand. I want to know what matchup do you think's the best in the wild card round? Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs, Texans. Oh, all right. So we'll go each by division. What's the most intriguing AFC wild card matchup? Steelers, Bengals, Chiefs, Texans. No, say no more. Steelers, Bengals. Has to be. Really? Has to be Steelers, Bengals. In my opinion, just because you look and you have this nice divisional matchup that that's a really developed divisional matchup, in a matchup two teams that don't like each other. That simple. Steelers. And the other thing, Steelers fans travel. It's a small thing, but Steelers fans travel, and there's going to be a ton of Steelers fans at this game. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think what makes this game fun is the Steelers have no defense. They don't know how to play defense. That's true. And this but is I this is just Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah, no, no, I would agree. Um, but I also think this will be. At, I don't think the Steelers are that good. Well, I listen, think they, they just not barely, but they had a hard time beating a, a bad, bad Cleveland Browns team. They're overrated, maybe. Their offense is something very special when they have everybody. I mean, it is by and far the best offense in the league when you have all your players playing the way they, they can play, particularly Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Big Ben. Their defense, not as bad as you may think. They're very good against the run, surprisingly. The bad part is their secondary is not good at all. The one thing I will say is this passing game for the Bengals, though, not as scary as it was a few weeks ago now that Andy Dalton is out and probably will not play in this game, more than likely won't. McCarron will be taking it over. He's a solid backup quarterback, but not Andy Dalton. So Conversely, though, um, Steelers without D'Angelo Williams. That's true. Uh, you know, D'Angelo Williams could play though. It, eh. They took an M- they took an MRI. There's no structural damage, no broken bone, just a sprained ankle, and he said he's going to be ready to play. So nah. we have to see about that. I, for I, me, I, for me, I just feel like when you see, you you can kind of get the idea when you see a guy go off the field, like and, that. and when a like guy when a guy when you see the replay and you kind of cringe to yourself. Yeah, I agree. Nah, you kind of have a feeling he's not going to be 100 percent the next week. I I agree with that. I'm going to agree with you just because they're division rivals. I think they are a very intriguing matchup, and they always play a very tough game and always play a very close game. So it's going to be fun to watch. But don't don't sit on this Chiefs-Texans game. They are two very good defensive teams, two of the hottest teams right now in the entire NFL. It's going to be a defensive matchup for the ages. These two teams are playing two of the best probably the best defense out of any team in the league right now. They're playing that good. At least top five, both of them. They're playing out-of-this-world defense, and they they pit off against each other. It's going to be a rough and tough game. Nothing's going to be given. It's going to be one of those grinded-out, who-can-make-that-one-play game, and I'm excited to watch that one as well. So moving over to the blue side, the NFC. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question. You got Redskins, Packers. And Vikings, Seahawks. Give me, give me your thoughts. <laughs> In my mind, it's the Seahawks and Vikings because those are, um, in my mind, the two best teams in the divisional matchup or the wild card matchup, and they're playing each other. I'm, I know the Redskins have been on a tear lately, but they're not the best. They're probably the worst NFC team in in it. Um, I'll I'll say to you what you said to me, and I'll, I'll say don't sleep on uh, Redskins Packers, but I will completely agree in the, in the sense that I'm very excited for this Vikings. Good, uh, but as I Seahawks said, game. 
uh, as I said about the Chiefs-Texans, the Seahawks-Vikings game is going to be tough. Yes. Two great defenses, better offenses with these two teams because you have Adrian Peterson, you have Teddy Bridgewater, you have Russell Wilson, you have um, Beast Mode coming, so it's going to be fun game, especially those ground games. And it's going to come down to who can stop the other team's running back. You know, who who can stop Beast Mode and who can stop Adrian Peterson? Now, I think the the passing game for the Seahawks is a little bit more on fire right now. So that's another thing the Vikings have to worry about. Um, but I think when you look at this, it's going to be a great game and it's going to be a tough game. And it's going to, like I said about the other game, it's going to be a grinded out game. And who can make that one, one more play? That's you right. Know? And I don't think the Packers-Redskins game is going to be that bad either because I will say this. The Packers game, the Packers, they're not playing well right now. They're not. They're they're just, they're not. They are overrated, my friend. Aaron Rodgers has not, he has been a shell of himself this year. And that might come back to bite me if he starts playing well in the playoffs. But he has looked like an entirely different quarterback without Jordy Nelson. And Randall Cobb has not stepped up. Either has Devontae Adams. Bad year from Eddie Lacy. The defense has been solid middle of the pack. This has not been an impressive team, so that could be a closer game than people think. So let me let me ask you one question because we could break down the entire bracket, but we'd be here for a while. And and we got a bunch of weeks to do the rest of this um, as the playoffs keep coming on us. Let me ask you one, one, one bold, overarching question. Can any team um, stop the New England Patriots? Yes. Can any team? I, I, I agree with you. I do. Can any team in the AFC stop the New England Patriots? Yeah, I think so. I think the Broncos' defense can stop uh, Brady. Uh, they're that good, and it's really going to come down to if the Broncos' defense can score. Uh, Broncos' offense can score. If the Broncos' offense can score, I think if they can, if they play Brady, it could be a tough matchup as well. I think you look at it if the Chiefs can score. If the Chiefs can score, if the Chiefs can score, then I think that. Um, I think that that could be a tough matchup because the Chiefs' defense is unreal, and I think that um, you're playing against the Patriots team and with Tom Brady and Edelman's going to be back. You need to stop them somehow. So it's going to be a team who has to have a very good defense and who can slow this team down. So I think if anybody is going to, it's going to be the Chiefs and Broncos. My dog's barking right now. <laughs> yeah, I was, for a second I thought you were at at school and i was like wait you don't have a dog at college no actually i have a, a dog here at home i'm i'm just chilling and she's barking because uh she sees another dog going by and you know how dogs are it's real cute that's real cute but nah the dogs she's dogs a, always get dogs dogs always get like that man I, I, don't, I don't know i don't know if they're like if they're chatting in a good way or well, like, if 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 you're outside, I understand barking. But if you're inside, I don't think they realize like, hey, like they can't hear you. You know, dude, come on, they got a small brain. They don't think of these things. They have a big brain. My dog's smart. What kind of dog you got? I have a mix of German Shepherd, oh, Black oh Lab, and a couple other things in there. She's <laughs> never, a mutt. Never coming over to your house. Beautiful mutt. She's she's the most harmless creature you'll ever meet in your life. The sweetest thing in the world. She'll do nothing but lick you. Yeah, that sounds like a great time. I swear, she's the sweetest animal. She she hasn't. I don't think she's ever bitten anybody or anyone. No, that's anything. fine. I'm just not. I'm not about uh, dogs who love licking. It's not. <laughs> it's not really. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on. Um, one final question before we move on here. I know it's kind of premature here, but as of right now, who do you see winning this entire thing? Oh boy. Just uh, pick a team. I don't need an explanation. Uh, just pick I'll, one. I'll give you. I'll give you two teams, just because. Um, 
I don't want to pick. I'll tell you, it's going to be, in my opinion, Cardinals or the uh, Panthers. Really? Yes, sir. I'm going to have to go with uh, the Broncos or Patriots or Seahawks. All right. I was wow. not imp- that's five, I was- five teams right there. Three. I was not impressed no, with no, the Cardinals. No, no, I mean, five di- that's five different teams between the three of, uh, two of us. Yeah. I, I was not impressed with the Cardinals this week. But okay, we'll be right back here on Ryan and the Rockets. So stay with us. Coming up, we have, you know it, toe-to-toe with the pro. We're going to talk a little bit of college football, a little bit of college basketball. We're going to wrap things up on Ryan and the Rockets. So stay with us for the last 10 to 15 minutes of our show. You can talk to a bunch of people who know me well, Matt. Yeah. And and know that I like sports. And I'm pretty sure all of them will tell you that if there was one quote-unquote sport that I cared about the least, major sport, it would be college football. Really? I think it's because Elon just has a horrible team. And I've never, and I never got into going to I mean, Rutgers games as a kid. Syracuse doesn't really have that good of a team either. But right, still. but you you were always a guy you enjoyed. You went to Rutgers games, right? And you, I did. You, I mean, right. I enjoy all sports. I try to get into them all, really. And I have my team, so it's kind of, kind of just try to be a fan of everything. So as I was saying, anyone can tell you college football is not my thing. I don't care. I. It means nothing to me. I'm more interested in the in the New Year's Eve ratings that have that have fallen down uh, more than the games that were being played. Maybe because they were awful games, um, but college football has just never got it done for me. So let me ask let me ask you because people are going to care a lot more what you think than some idiot who doesn't watch the game. College football championship, the okay. the e- ESPN's pride and joy. This is what they've invested all their money in. This is what they think the big money maker is. This is what was the big money maker last year. Who takes the cake? Who? Um, Clemson, Bama. I, I've had a an chance to witness Clemson firsthand, um, not just on TV because they played Syracuse, and it was actually a close game, surprisingly. And I think a lot of people are sleeping on this Clemson team. I, I mean. Personally, I'd like to see a Clemson win. I'd like to see an ACC team win because I think that SEC teams are powerhouses, and of course, you want the little guy to get some love. Um, and Alabama, you know, they they win practically every year. Um, it's just I want somebody new to win. Wait, you get what I'm saying? Um, it's it's not fun to see the same team win over and over and over again. Am I right about that one? Right. Uh, no, I actually disagree with you. Well, really? you're, yeah, you're, I mean, you're right about it's not fun seeing the same team win over and over. But since I don't care about college football, for some reason, I would much rather like to see Alabama win the national championship. I know I said I don't care, but I would much rather see Alabama win the national championship than Clemson. I don't know why. I really do not know why. But like 100% more would rather see Alabama win. I'd much rather see Clemson win, but I mean, and I know that's you wanna, the more, I know that's you more, asked me for my more popular opinion. Yeah, you asked me for my insight, so I'll give it to you. I think people are sleeping on Clemson. They, it's a very good defensive team that people aren't 
noticing. Their offense is very good, led by Deshaun Watson, who I think should have won the Heisman. But then you have, on the other side of the ball, the Heisman winner for Alabama and an incredible defense. I think Alabama wins this game. They are a force to be reckoned with. They're a better defensive team, not by much, but still by um, still by a better margin than Clemson is. I do think that Clemson offense is a little bit better. Despite Derrick Henry, I really think that this Clemson offense is just, uh, it's spread, it's fast. It's going to be tough for Alabama to stop, but I think they can do it because, as I said, their defense is incredible. The story in this game is going to be, can somebody finally stop Derrick Henry? And uh, I just don't think it could happen. This guy's a force to be right. You'd think that some teams can can understand that all they're going to do is run the ball so that you should stack the box every time, but clearly it hasn't worked at all this year. So I'm going to have to give the slight edge to Alabama. I think they end up winning it not by the seven points that people think they will win. I think it's going to be a three-point game with a chance that Clemson can pull it out. Clemson's only hope is they have got to find a way to stop Derrick Henry. The thing is, if you're Clemson, this Alabama team, you know what they like to do. They don't like running around the sides. They don't like you know doing counters. They like running it right down the throat, right down the middle. And that's what they're good at. You gotta be aware of that, and you have to be able to stop it. Shaq Lawson's gonna have a big game. The other defensive linemen for Clemson are gonna have a big game if they have want any chance of stopping this guy. And also, don't sleep on Jake Coker. He's had a solid year since winning the starting job. He can beat you with his arm if you focus on the run game, but still nowhere close to the type of quarterback that Deshaun Watson is. So, first order of business for Clemson, stop the Alabama running game. If they can do that, they can win, but I don't see it happening. So, I go with, ooh, I'm going to go with Alabama 30 to 27. No, 24 27 Alabama. So, 27 24 Alabama. Yeah, and if anyone cares about what I think, which is probably a no, uh, I take Alabama as well. Hey, at least we're agreeing on something today. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I have no reason to pick Clemson. So, yeah, agreeing is always good. Well, sometimes, but it's, <laughs> it's not always good agreeing with you. I'll say that. No, it is. Uh, it is. <laughs> let me ask you. We'll stick with, with college sports. And, and one that I can talk a little bit more, considering I work in this regime. Oklahoma versus Kansas. Last night, one of the, if not the, most memorable game in recent college basketball memory on ESPN number one versus number two the two best right now undisputed the two best teams in college basketball oh yeah uh goes to a double overtime thriller excuse me a triple overtime yeah that don't almost that. went to that almost went to quadruple overtime it was close it was a, it was it was it very was a close. game for the ages and if it anybody was very tells close you to going to a quadruple overtime if anybody tells you otherwise they are incredibly wrong no, there. I mean, this game. This game has everything you look for in, in you know, a, a game of the ages. You have buzzer beaters. You have great, great teams. Two of the best right now. You have controversy, uh, and, and you so- also you also have a performance from a guy, Buddy who, Yield, who, who just, I, I mean, what forty six points. On this the the rate at which this guy shoots threes and makes makes threes is unreal. The way both of the I mean both these teams shoot three pointers over forty five percent. That's unreal. 
<laughs> like, I didn't... The one thing I learned last night is that Kansas can shoot the three. I didn't... Coming into this game, I wasn't aware that they were that good of a three-point shooting team, but they are, and their, their stats back it up. Another hey, great let, team let at me, shooting the three, say, Oklahoma. Go. I mean, Woodard. Uh, we're talking about Heald, and he made incredible shot after incredible shot. At the end of the game, I felt bad because he did you know, have those two mistakes, but Woodard helped him a lot. He had like eight threes. If there's one thing that also adds to it, when a guy like Dick Vitale, I don't know if you picked up this gem last night. Oh, yeah, Dick Vitale. Calls the game he's currently calling the loudest building he has ever been in. I think that means a little something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that means a little something. It does. Considering, considering the games of Duke-UNC he's called in Cameron Indoor. Uh, you yeah. know, consi- considering UNC-Duke in the, in the Dean Smith Center. Not only that, you're I forgetting mean, one thing. You're forgetting one thing. What building has the biggest crowd capacity? For uh, college basketball. basketball. College basketball. Oh, boy. The Carrier Dome. Oh, yeah. I don't consider that a basketball venue. But, yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. The Carrier Dome. And they've no, had right. incredible thrillers there. Duke, Syracuse. I mean, uh, you're you're right when he says that, though. You know, if you – if you um if he's going to say it's the loudest building, that's impressive. The Kansas fans came out. But not only that, what a job by Oklahoma to, to play this way with that noise. You oh, know? yeah, exactly. And, and the white crowd, I mean – it was a it was a remarkable performance, and if any if either of these teams, obviously Kansas won't, but if Oklahoma drops in the rankings from number two, I'm going to have a problem with that. They I, proved I, listen, last can, night that I, yeah, they were the second best team, would. if not the best team in the country, and Kansas proved the same exact thing. These two teams are ahead by of ahead of every other team. I think by more than people realize because UNC. You know, doesn't get up for those big games. And obviously, Kentucky's good, but they haven't had that good of a year so far. These two teams right now are playing the best of any teams by miles, and it's not close. Um, and I, what a game last night. I mean, it, it was 109 to 106, Kansas Jayhawks win. 109 to 1, that's like an NBA score. That's like a great NBA game score, you know, and the Allen Field House was remarkable. And what I loved about it was, you know, Buddy Heald, uh, ESPN, ESPN said that the player of the game was Perry Ellis. They got him on the with the sideline reporter. Then they come back and get Buddy Heald on the headset because I think they realize, hey, you got to talk to this guy. And Heald yeah. was just humble, and the guy was exhausted, man. I mean, both these teams, they were dropped at exhausted. They, they didn't just make plays. They worked their butts off. I mean, I've never seen two teams go at it as hard with so much passion, with so much energy. No, dude, they mean, left it this, all this out felt, there. This felt like a game that was for the Big 12 title. This felt like a national championship season. game. No, you're right. Exactly. Most national championship games aren't even this good, you know? And... Um, again, back to the whole interview, they get Buddy healed on, he talks, and right as he's leaving, he goes up to Dick Vitale, shakes his hand, Dick Vitale's giving him some words of wisdom, and the Kansas Jayhawks fans that were still there, nobody else is on the court. They give Buddy healed an opposing team's player, a standing ovation, and they give him a loud that, cheer. That one was special. That's, that is the utmost of respect in class from the Jayhawks fans. So I, I, I love to see that. That was the best part of the entire thing for me. Obviously, the game was great, but just to see them 
honestly be aware and respectful of what that kid just did out on that court and how much he gave, even though he was an opponent. It's it's something special. So let me ask you a question because we're I, I know you got places to be. You're a busy guy. You you got to get whatever's going therapy. on. Yeah, you got to get whatever's going on this year or whatever's wrong with you. You got to get it fixed. I understand. <laughs> it's a different it's a different thing every month. I know. But physical therapy is important, and then that comes first. So let, yeah, me, ask you, let me ask you quickly. See, I, I know you don't know this is coming, but Santiago Nunez yeah. versus Thierry Henry. Oh, okay. Um, and you have to remember, I know Thierry Henry's had a long, you know, illustrious career. You have to remember Nunez, in the years that he played, looked like he was going to be the Ballon d'Or winner. Nunez. Yeah. I'm going with Nunez. I mean, Oh, you're going with Nunez. Interesting. Yeah, just based on his... Um, incredible shot in the first movie that won them the game <laughs> i mean i that's a shot i don't even think thierry henry could make it both these players though are legends thierry henry was all a class pure legendary in any team he played for he was always a class act on and off the field never any that's trouble right. Right. gave his all so you can't you can't hate the guy but on the field one-on-one matchup let's just go that i i go with nunez and his skill he has a lot of skill I'll take I'll take Thierry Henry because not even the thing he did for New York Rebels because that's the, I don't consider the massive part of his career. Uh, but the days that he was with Arsenal, the amount of goals he scored at the old Highbury uh, before they moved to the beautiful uh, New Emirates Stadium, the things he did there, and the way he just looked to float on the pitch, it, it was unbelievable. The things he did for the game here in America, the things he did for the game overseas, one of if not the best. Uh, strikers yeah. in the English Premier League of all time, great. leader on and off the field, all class. The guy was all class. Yeah. Not one percent of him was not class. I think Thierry Henry uh, is a guy you got to pick, and yeah. and he helped he helped France to a World Cup. I agree with you. That's gonna do it here for Ryan and the Rockcat, and we're gonna end our show. Sorry, I have to get out of here. I got a little physical therapy. Got got a little uh, health issues. I, I, I can keep it going. I'm gonna, you want me to do like a monologue for like 40 minutes? I don't think anybody wants to hear your voice again for a while. Uh, I, I'm just kidding. I think everybody wants to hear your voice. You you remember the last time you told me not to talk, right? No, no, no. I, I, no you should. You should talk. Anyway, that's going to do it here for Ryan and the Rockcat. For Matt Ryan and <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'm, I'm a little out of it today. Oh, For man. Ryan Meisinger, I'm Matt Ryle. And remember, follow us on all our social media. Ryan and Ryan and Rylecat on Twitter. Ryan and, Ryle, Ryan and the Rylecat on Instagram. We're on Periscope uh-huh. at the yeah. same account. The yeah. double RR podcast at RyanandTheRyleCat.com. Remember, two double R's. That's our email address. Well, no, no, no because two double R's would be all right, four, so so one, only one double two, R. Two, two R's four, two in four. the double RR podcast yep. at RyanandTheRyleCat.com. You can email us anything. Tweet at us your suggestions. Uh... Do what we would like to hear from you. We never do, but we just like to hear from you. Any topic ideas, any ideas for our podcast in general, any segment ideas you want to be on it, you know, DM us. We want to hear from you guys, and you are how we make it a great show. So, with that, I leave you guys. We'll see you very soon. We're going to get on a roll here in the next few weeks, so be sure to look out for us in our next podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and that'll do it for Ryan Meisinger and Matt Ryle right here on Ryan and Ryle. Thank you.